This program is a proud member of Univaz. Unified, unique, voices. Learn more at univazpods.net. Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen, and so are you! <laughs> Hello again, my beautiful screamers, and welcome. Welcome to another episode of Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets gay. Tonight, it's episode 260, and we are going to be having what was called in the 1970s and 80s a very special episode, because we're dealing with some hard-hitting topics today. And in order to do that, I need to revisit a film that I covered way back in 2011. It's Chris Peckover's movie, Undocumented, made in 2010. And the reason we're doing that because because we didn't heed the warning the first time. Undocumented is a movie that deals with some real-life horrors that were just beginning to show their ugly faces at the time the movie was made. And it's time to look at the movie again in 2019 and see how far we've come or how far we've fallen. And since the movie is dealing with some real-life horrors, it's only fitting that I bring on, well, podcasting's experts on real-life horrors. They're the two guys who are brilliant at mixing real-life horrors with movie horrors and coming out with something worthwhile and powerful and impactful for you to walk away with. And of course, I'm talking about Andrew Huff and Maddie Zaradik from the Friday the 13th podcast. Since this is a very special episode, it's going to be not no frills, but no fluff. So we're going to get right down to business. So I think... The first thing we need to do is do a quick little summary of current events, just because when I talk to my friends and relatives in Europe and Australia, they either don't know what's going on or they actually have no idea what's going on. And of course, the movie Undocumented is dealing with the immigration issues that the United States is having right now and how we're dealing with them or not dealing with them or dealing with them horrendously. Let me give you a little crash course in what's been going on with the child detention centers and the immigration problem in the United States right now. We all know about the border wall. We all know about the president's view on Mexicans and Mexican immigrants. He's made that very clear and very public and has said it many, many times. But what I found that my family in Ireland didn't know about and my friends in Australia didn't know about. They did not know about the child detention centers that have sprung up all over the country because now everybody who applies for asylum is put into detention centers, including the children, except they're not put into detention centers together. The children have been separated from their families. And as we're learning... No one's kept records. So now nobody knows 
who these kids belong to or how we're going to get these families back together. And also, nobody knows what's going on in these centers because nobody's allowed in. All we know is what we've been told from some people who have been released from them. Some people have been reunited, been reunited with their families. Some children have. And we know what we know from documents, documented evidence that has been collected by the ACLU from these centers themselves. Okay, that's what's going on. Basically, the United States has concentration camps for children now. I have included some article links in the show notes to get you up to speed if you don't know. And now that you're caught up, I just wanted to say a few things about Undocumented, the film itself. I covered it way back in episode 43. And I loved it then and I love it now. As much as you can love something that tears your heart out and stamps it on the floor. If I don't give director Chris Peck over and the entire crew here the kudos that they deserve in the section coming up with Maddie and Andrew, I'm doing it now. And it's not that we all didn't appreciate the movie. It's just that there are bigger topics that we stray off onto. And I don't want you to think that the movie is not an incredible experience. Because, yes, it's dealing with some real-life horror stuff. But the horror movie itself is quite brilliant. It is tense. The suspense never lets up, pretty much almost from the beginning. And... It takes you on this nail-biting, hair-raising, jaw-dropping, heartbreaking, and horrifying journey. And you know how much I love, in normal circumstances, a movie that can have you talking about it for hours afterwards, rather than something that you forget or you know, before you've thrown your popcorn box out on the way out of the theater. Undocumented is one of these films. So if I don't say it later on, Seek it out. This movie's brilliant. And before I bring on my very, very special guests, you know the tradition here, we got to do something first. We have got to listen to the trailer. What is your full name? All right, I'll do this a hard way. What are you doing here? I'm sound. Speak up. Sound. Sound guy. I'm a director. Director of what? I already told you you're shooting a documentary. About what? Illegal immigration. Are you a U.S. citizen? Come on, man, you have my passport. What is this? Look in my wallet, please. Check me through. Give me my wallet. Look, there should be a lot of cash. You want your wallet? There's your wallet. We're grad students. Making a thesis film. Nobody's gonna see it. That is peyote. It was in your backpack. No, that's not possible. Because I don't even own a backpack. Listen to me very carefully. Whatever you think this is, it's far worse. 
So joining me on this very, very, very special episode of Scream Queens are two very, very special guys. Because, yeah, this is a very special episode. But these two young men put out a very special episode every goddamn show. They are dealing with hard-hitting topics every single week. And they are able to make it fun and entertaining as well as educational Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and my GNCs, wherever you may be, prepare to get slayed because it's Andrew and Maddie from Friday the 13th. Hello. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Welcome back, boys. Yes, we've, been, we've missed you. It's so nice to be with you again. Oh, sure. Yes, for the, another cheery topic that I will promise I will not cry during. That's, that, that's what we're here for, to, po- <laughs> to poke holes in everyone's joy. Uh-huh. uh-huh. I guess we can't just talk about a fun horror movie with you people. I guess we're going to have to have a, a Friday the 13th vacation show. <laughs> <laughs> nothing topical, nothing at all. <laughs> one day, one day soon, we promise. Yes. For those who may not be familiar with Friday the 13th, boys, why don't you tell my listeners what goes on? over there what makes you guys so special and sure patrick i'd love to so friday the 13th horror podcast is a podcast all about horror horror in the uh horror in real life and horror in the movies uh and we look at this horror from an lgbt perspective and we draw connections between the two Um, we cover topics uh in real life anywhere from politics to true crime um and on the movie side of course we're covering uh, a lot of different horror movies and we're trying to be uh, pretty selective in what, in what we pick, going back, uh, you know, far if we if we can, and then picking out some stuff that maybe you haven't heard of before, or stuff that's kind of been forgotten. Um, and it's been a lot of fun. Um, we've had a really great time making friends with a whole lot of people in the podcast world, <laughs> um, and a lot of LGBT people especially. So we are, of course, uh, happy to be with you on Screen Queens, Patrick, because you've been leading that uh, that charge to get LGBT people. Uh, in the podcast world, interested in horror again, and we are uh, just grateful to you and happy to be here. You're very welcome, and I'm glad you guys are picking up the torture because, my God, my feet are killing me. <laughs> We're trying our best. <laughs> I knew I knew I should have worn flats, but you know this the certain style pressures that one faces when you're at this point. Of- I got nothing. I got nothing. We, especially in New York City, we brought you scrutiny. new pads, honey. We brought you new pads. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Did you just say new pads? New new pads, but we can bring you new pads as well if you want. <laughs> well, you know, my, my, my grandmama always used to say, and have a look at gift pad in the mouth. So the movie that we're talking about is a little film from 2010, which I've actually covered on the show before. I covered it way, 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 way back, I think on episode 49 back in 2011. And oh boy, what a different show it was then. And, and wow, what a different world it was then. Yeah. yeah. Before we go any further, I'm going to say... Andrew. Yes. I'm going to make it your job to give me a nice tight 30 second plot summary of the movie Undocumented. Not a synopsis, a summary. Thrill me. The clock starts now. Okay. Uh, we follow a documentary film crew as they uh, help escort uh, illegal uh, Mexicans across the U.S. border. Uh, they're then um, abducted by a white supremacist group and tortured. Uh, and that's, that's that's pretty much the whole movie. <laughs> it's a wild, fun ride, everybody. Good, 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 good. 
Good. I should buzz you because Maddie came in and helped you at the end. No cheating, Maddie. <laughs> <laughs> Don't Maddie explain things for Andrew. <laughs> Sorry. He tends yeah. to do that. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. That's okay. That's okay. There's always one on every show. But <laughs> and I do it to myself. Yeah, so this movie, I covered, like I said, I covered way back in the day. And back then, it was a reaction to a very real thing going on in the United States. There was a whole bunch of laws passed in Arizona that were extremely anti-immigrant and made, well, pretty much hunting them for sport legal. All kinds of vigilante groups uh, uh, were springing up. There. What are they? they don't call them that, though. It's likely that groups like this probably call themselves patriots, I would say. Or freedom yes. fighters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But there's, a, there's a term that's better than vigilantes. But basically, people that are taking the law into their own hands and hunting undocumented people who then would just disappear and never be seen again. Very real thing going on. And this is long before the orange in the White House was even a thought in anybody says this was long before the border wall. So I realized at a certain point that this movie was a warning Mm -hmm. that director Chris Peckover gave us because this thing that that this movie presents, the situation, which is probably an exaggeration of what was going on, like uh, that's that's not the right word. An extreme version. Of and ex- yes, an extreme on. version of what was going on there to scare people, saying, "Oh my gosh, we have to stop this." Well, sure. now it's national policy, kids. Right. And so maybe it's time to take another look at this film. So oh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. you did point out that this is one of my least favorite movie tropes. That being on a documentary film crew is the most dangerous job on the planet. <laughs> it always goes wrong. <laughs> so true. You could be making a documentary about tape. Or glue, or like thumbtacks, you're all gonna die. <laughs> yes. Oh gosh, it's so true. It just reminds me of like any time anyone tries to be. It, 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 there's part of this movie that kind of goes against like social justice warriors, and there's always movies like that. I mean, I think of Green Inferno. Uh, you know, those kind of movies that they're like, "Don't help, or you're gonna get stuck in the mud." You know. Yeah. Go to get your dick eaten. Yeah, exactly. Not in a nice way. Not in a good way. <laughs> no, not in a good way at all. So. The other thing that I enjoyed with this movie is that it starts with the trope of found footage and then abandons it halfway through. Yeah. Which is about right for this time period. Yeah. I had mentioned to Maddie before we started, I was like, you know, this movie, it's, this movie's pretty good, but I, I, I feel like it's better when it's not a found footage movie. Totally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In a story like this, it kind of was the best way to tell it for a while because it gave him a reason to be there. Yeah, I, I think yep. that the, the, the concept of a documentary crew um, undertaking the journey that, uh, for example, Mexican immigrants or refugees from Central America would take to get into the country is a really thrilling and compelling concept. I think it would have been compelling back in 2010, if I can even remember what life was like back then, almost mm. 10 years ago. Um, but I think it's equally as compelling today. And I think that, you know, the the parts where the, where the, the movie does really well is... Um, is where it really leans into that. Um, I think there are maybe uh, a few parts where, you know, for example, when they go to visit the the executive, they visit his house, um, and they really get in his face. Um, I thought maybe that might be it, just a little, a little pushing too hard. But other than that, I think it's you know it's a really solid idea, and it's it's you know it's almost something that I I kind of wish people would like do in real life, like. If this were a real documentary feature, I would be uh, in, entirely compelled to watch it for sure. Right. Well, I'm sure some of these people have. But I mean, there's 
There's a, what is that show? There's that show on Netflix about the guy who does like where he goes around the world doing weird things. Oh, uh... like black tourists, something like that. I forget. But he actually did this. They have. A, oh, really? A for rich Americans to simulate going across the border. Oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> there, there, there's tourism for everything, it appears. Well, he said it was quite eye opening. He's like, at first, he's like, I think this is really stupid, but it's fake. Mm. And after a while, you're like, God, no, no, no. This, imagine if everything did depend on this. Yeah. Well, and, it does take rich people to simulate this. Seriously. <laughs> the plights of poor people. <laughs> but, you know, the, I, I think one, one, one moment from the film really stuck out to me more than anything else. And it, it might be just sort of a small thing because the character never really returns. Um, but once the, the white supremacists capture everybody and, and they're in their compound and they have uh, the men and the women tied up in different areas. And then the white supremacists uh, say that all the kids can go. And they, they let the children leave mm-hmm. and they say and they tell them all, mm-hmm. if you just you go outside, follow the moon and it will lead you back to Mexico. And it would appear that that's mm-hmm. what's about to happen. And there's a toddler uh, mm-hmm. little girl who run, who sees her mom and runs to her mom. And all the other women mm-hmm. are telling the woman to keep the child. Um, and the mom pushes the child away because she knows that nothing good can possibly come here. Um, and tells the child to run and it is by far for me even even with the um the sort of torture porny uh parts of this of this of this movie i think that was the most harrowing thing to watch because it was really well done Mm -hmm. Uh, and whoever that whoever that actress is if she's not doing more stuff damn it somebody hire her because she did a fantastic job with that little vignette yeah um really harrowing stuff I agree. It's a fabulous moment, and, and not in a fabulously awful moment. Is what of I course, say. Yeah, yeah. Oh, look how nice we are. We're letting the kids go. See, we're nice people. No, you're letting toddlers out in the desert in the middle of the night say, right. "Go follow the moon." They'll take it back to Mexico with nothing. Right. Exactly. With nothing. With you know wild animals out there or whatever, and it turns out later that it's very, very, very bad. Yeah. Even worse than you thought. And I'm just like you sons of bitches. This is exactly what we're doing now. We put kids, we put an 18 month old on the stand. Yeah. So how did how did you guys feel about um, how did you feel about the game sequence, the first game where he had to answer questions while his wife was on the rack? I mean, it's not great. <laughs> Good God Almighty. It did feel very real, though. Uh, I feel like that is one thing. Uh, besides, besides the main characters, the the, the main two uh, kind of what quote unquote love interest. I don't, I don't buy their chemistry, but everyone else in this movie, I think, had great chemistry, and you felt like they were uh, either a part of a family or the part of a, a couple, or that um, it just felt really real. Yeah. And could one of you explain what did Maddie mean by a game? Sure. So there's this this uh, this For one those section. Who seen the movie, yeah. yeah. So there's this one section of the film where, and this is apparently where, where the white supremacists are. It's apparently a very large complex because they have like themed out their rooms basically yeah. <laughs> in this haunted house that they live in. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's this one room uh, where they have a little stage and they've got a podium. Um, and they have a rack. It's sort of like a stand-up rack, almost like a. Like, a, like a, I don't know what you call it, but like an axe hanged man kind of thing. Um, and they bring in one of the uh, one of the men, uh, one of the men uh, immigrants, and they they sit him down and then they show him that they have his wife racked up um, and, you know, where they can pull all of her limbs in four different directions. And they tell him that you are going to answer these questions. And it's like your citizenship test. And if you answer a question right, we're going to remove one of the straps on one of her limbs. 
But if you get a question wrong, then we're going to tighten the rack uh, like, 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 like one level, basically. And so, you know, this guy doesn't speak English very well. They're asking him, they're asking him questions, which, you know, I know an awful lot about American history and I pride myself in my knowledge. Mm-hmm. There, there was one question. Oh, it was about Patrick Henry. Um, and the, 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 the question was who said, uh, give me liberty or give me death. And I, and right then I was like, oh my God, I can't remember that. And certainly like a guy from Mexico, like he can't answer it either. So of course in, in the sequence, he can't answer it. And then they tighten that, they tighten it and it's no, harrowing yeah, and yeah. it's awful. And it's, 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 a uh, it's scary. I seem to remember, I remember stuff like that going on in the Bush administration as well. I'm trying to remember exactly what the situation was, but people were being put in situations, immigrants were being put in situations to answer questions where they were never asked the question in English. Of course. Yeah. Or like the, or including the immigration test, which apparently you can take in other languages, but they weren't given the opportunity to. And so they might have known the answer in their own language, but not in this movie, everything is always stacked against them and it's not good and it's awful. Yeah. And, what I appreciated is that, yeah, it walks the line right up to torture porn, but then never goes over it. Yeah, that's true. I mean, there there is a lot of moments where uh, I'm, I'm mainly thinking about the time where they spray the the men with the hose, where that could have been a lot crazier and a lot you know gorier, or they right. could have done something different, but they chose to do this kind of. It's almost like an anguish torture rather than like a, a uh, like a torture yeah. torture. That's yeah. that, 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 that's an interesting phrase uh, to, uh, to to describe it. I think anguish torture. That's interesting. Yeah, I was just using that scene with the rack in particular because in another movie, Eli Roth, <laughs> every ripping tendron, every pop joint, every bit of tearing flesh would have been lovingly captured. And you don't see a thing. Yeah, it's definitely got a level of restraint that I think helps the movie not be over the top. Right, right. And not about that, because I think that would have diluted the message. Yeah, totally. I, because I if you're making if you're if you're making the porn I mean the, the torture at all sexy for want of a better word, or selling point, then does that mean you want the audience to be okay with it? Mm-hmm. And therefore is this whose side are you on? Right. Yeah, totally. Exactly. Did that make sense at all? Yeah, no, totally. <laughs> without, a, without a doubt it did, for sure. I think that we, okay. we had chatted earlier today uh, and we were just talking about like, you know, you could watch this movie and come out with kind of two interpretations depending on what kind of a person you are. Right. You either are rooting for your uh, main characters and saying like everything that these people are doing is awful or you're watching it and you're saying, yeah, they deserve it. They should never come into America. Sure. Right. Right. Well, listening back to when I covered this the first time, one of the things that struck me that I said was that the patriots, for want of a better word, in this film never go the route of that blank religious mania. It's all America first. We're going to protect everything they say is perfectly rational. Mm -hmm. Even if you don't agree with that, they present their arguments rationally, well thought out intelligent people and that makes them even more frightening with, crazy people. without a doubt because the only way that you convince other people to jo- you don't convince other people to join you if you're insane and acting like a crazy person but you you convince other people to join you because you do make rational arguments and you are persuasive and you are charismatic and you know the leader of this group even though we, we don't see his face you, you know, it, you can assume that they don't always wear those crazy face masks, um, but they do it because they've got this, you know, crew here. So, you know, there, there's a reason why this guy is the leader. 
There's a reason why they have a cohesive organization that follows orders and that and then understands whatever you know silly mission they have, uh, but they view it and believe it very deeply. And, you know, yep. we just we just our, our episode that we just recorded uh, of Friday the 13th, we talked all about uh, extreme beliefs that people have. And it doesn't take very much for people to go down that rabbit hole for yep. some white supremacists. They've, they've even I mean, real white supremacists today. They've uh, who are now not white supremacists any longer. They've described their initiation into the crazy world of white supremacy as the first thing they did was just watch one YouTube video. And then they watched another, then they uh, watched another, then they watched another. And before you know it, wow. you believe all of it. So it's so easy to have it happen. Did you guys see, and this is something that stuck out to me, and I don't know if it's of significance or not, but there was a lot of purple. Did you notice that every, hmm. almost everyone on our heroine had some sort of either purple sweater, purple shirt, now purple accent? Now that you mentioned that, you're right, actually. And I don't, I don't think there's anything to it, but I just noticed it. And I was like... Is this going to come into later? I like, wonder why they chose that. Well, I'm, I'm sure there's some... So you're saying everybody on the documentary crew side had something purple? Yeah. I did not notice did that. Did the immigrants Well, I mean, it is a visual way to tie them no? together. Yeah, maybe just to like have them as like a cohesive group. Yeah, did, without, did any without of the, having uh, signs saying, documentary film crew. <laughs> Arrow above their head. That's hilarious. I mean, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of bodies, and it would be easy to lose them, I suppose. Or, you know, maybe... Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. It was it was the big color in 2010. <laughs> and purple, it's associated with the dead, you know, on the flag of mourning. And, you know, they're documenting <laughs> film crews. They know they're going to die anyway, so they're wearing it in advance. Yeah. <laughs> Goes oh. to the territory. But uh, I did want to say one thing about uh, Zed, who's the leader of the group. Mm -hmm. Even though you do not see his face, it's covered with this black mask. You feel like you see his face. His acting is powerful enough to come through this mask. Totally. Yeah. I was confused. There'd be a disconnect or there'd be, I don't know, just, but no, it just feels oddly more connected. This guy's performance is chilling. Yeah. And you always think you think at some point in the movie, you're going to see it, but they, they go inspector gadget on you and never show it. Well, they do at the end. I didn't see his it's the last shot. It's the last shot. Isn't that, isn't he still, his face still covered? Nope. Oh, I guess I didn't notice no, that. No, because it's the recruiting video. Oh, yes, duh. In, in, in the recruiting oh, video. Oh, okay. Yes, absolutely. Now I remember. I was thinking when they were uh, uh, all fighting by the truck. Yeah. Which is a very frustrating scene. That was a very frustrating scene, but we'll come back to that. I was also very, this is just me being weird. I'm watching the movie and all of a sudden I heard a voice. And I went, I know that voice. And little birds started saying, it, it's, my, it's, my, it's my horror crush was in this movie. Who is it? Noah Segan. Who did he play? Uh, he was one of the bad guys. Oh. But I recognized his voice and all of a sudden I'm like, it's him. It's him. It's <laughs> That's him. hilarious. I'm, I'm not going to tell my mother about this. Well, yeah. <laughs> I know she might like it. Although now that I think about it, given my family's take on things, she might think he's nice. I like him. <laughs> he's a nice, nice quality Southern gentleman. Is Segan Irish? I'm sure it is. He sounds Irish. He's got a bit of red hair to him. No, I love him. I think he's always fantastic in everything he does. He's, he does so much hard work. Huh. I, I actually had a little bit of a crush on the main guy, but back when he was on Eurotrip. In this movie, his hair's a little wonky for me. Uh, <laughs> he was on Eurotrip, wasn't he? Yeah. 
<laughs> yep. Uh, and that was a trick trick. Tr- I can't read it. I don't have it pulled up in front of me. Oh, Ooh. golly. He was the one trying to say uh, suck a dick in Brit- British accent at the beginning. Yes. Oh, sure. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I had to split my crushes. <laughs> I split my crushes between William, who died early. He had a little bit of a beard. And I like, I, for some reason, I just got to go with Jim. Hmm, okay. There's something about Jim. It's not necessarily a good looking guy, but I can tell it would be like Bonko sex. <laughs> uh, oh, okay. I want to talk about Marta. Can we talk about Marta? Oh, yes. The uh, the, the servant lady who's like the yeah. quiet leader, I guess. Yeah. Just one of the insidious things about this group. Not only do they separate the men from the women, the good looking ones, the good looking women are put to menial tasks. Mm-hmm. Not only are they put to menial They'll test are dressed up as maids. They're all called Maria. Yeah. And you know they're doing more than just cleaning floors. Oh, of course. I, I hated uh, this, that scene where he basically makes her act like a dog to get a treat. Yeah. The yeah, one, the apple one slice. Yeah. Yeah. They're, like, they're, uh, when they're first getting a tour there, and they, you first starting to see these girls dressed as maids. One's pregnant, and one of them's just like, oh, I'm taking her, I'm taking her, I'm taking her. I'm like, come on, come on, come on, man. They're like, where, where, where are you going with her? She's like, oh, she's uh, sick. Uh, I'm taking her to the. Um, uh, we're taking her to the infirmary. Later on, they're passing the infirmary. They're like, where's that girl? Yeah. With this blood all over the floor. Right. And you learn that. Uh, it, well, what about Marta? She seems this, this other one who's serving the food. She seems really happy, and she seems to have power. Like, well, she's really smart. And I'm like, oh, because she's she's gone full Benedict Arnold. Oh yeah, she's joined the forces. <laughs> she is in on the joke. Well, uh-huh. and, not, and not just her, but there's another Mexican American man that's in the group as well. Uh-huh. Um, and one of the one of the uh, immigrants uh, is he he asks him, um, "How can you do this to your own people?" And he says, "Well, I'm I'm an American." And so you know that that just shows you it really is about a, a very deep, uh, deep seated belief and a bit of brainwashing for sure. Marta provides one of the genuine horror movie scares for me i was screaming at the tv <laughs> they're trying to they're trying to escape they they, they have uh, i don't want to say these people make bad decisions they use the opportunities given to them to the best that they can they don't end well because these people have thought out everything yeah but this one time that they're trying to escape they've gotten out they've gotten the keys they've let some of the mexican people i think this is the scene. no it's earlier than that anyway they've gotten out and they're trying to escape and they're running through the, the, the facility with their night vision on, and somebody made a noise. So they're all hunkering down, and they're hunkering down in this room where they have all the other Mexican men chained up. And Marta comes in. Mm-hmm. Stop, 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 stop. And she's looking around the room, and she's looking around the room, and she just kind of leaned in and said, shh. Nothing scary about that, except this was all shot in night vision. So when she leaned in and went, shh, her eyes went like crazy glowing green, sure. like total yeah. monster face green. I was like, oh, no, no, that was, oh, no, no. I didn't like nothing to that. No, no, <laughs> no, no, she bad. She can go. I don't like her. She crazy. Yeah. No, she bad. No, she's, that's the thing. She's not crazy. Oh, she, knows, she knows exactly what she's doing. Yeah. Exactly. I know what I have to do to get out of here. And I'm going to, I'm going to go home and I'm going to have money. I'm going to have something to eat. And my, sure. I might have to give a blow job to some one of these guys. What's cares? Yeah. At least I'm not dead. Yeah. At least I'm not dead with a light bulb shoved shoved in the back of my skull. There's a fucking scarecrow. That scene is fantastic. They're talking to the guy who I guess is their torture master, the guy who designed their their rack thing. Uh Uh-huh. And he said, I'm not here to build a better mousetrap. I'm here to build a better scarecrow. Mm -hmm. Sure. Which makes sense. 
it's much more efficient to scare them away than it is to go through all this bullshit. But what makes the perfect scarecrow? And then the description, I was like, oh, God. Uh, I know. Uh, sure. No. Well, and I did find it interesting that he asks them, did you guys see the dead body in the tunnel? And they're like, yeah. And he's like, did it scare anybody? And they're like, one. And he's like, well, that's not good enough. <laughs> no. 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 And the thing is, they were using dead bodies and scarecrows as scarecrows back mm-hmm. then. And I'm sure they're still doing it now. Sure. I remember that. I remember that in some of the uh, accounts, like you just walk along this path and there's just people like crucified. Yeah. I, there was, one, there was one moment where, um, it's towards the end where someone yelled there, the, the blonde girl and the main guy are trying to get away. And one of the supremacists yells out, um, don't hurt her, don't hurt her face. And I was like, is yeah. that because you want to keep her pretty or is that because you want to use her face for your scarecrow? He said that earlier. He wanted to use her as a scarecrow. Like, how beautiful would you be? Right. This beautiful angel warning people away. Yeah. It's either that or the pregnant lady. Choose your choose right. your scarecrow. Sure. <laughs> God. I don't know. I think she, I think the blonde would make a better tree topper, but the pregnant lady would make a better ornament. Oh, dear. Just for shapes. <laughs> Contours. True. I'm sorry, that was terrible. Yeah, I think the only th- the only thing about this movie that um, I wanted so badly, and it doesn't d- diminish the quality of the movie or anything like that, but just in my brain, what I wanted so badly was more of a a bloodbath at the end to get rid of some of those yeah sure assholes. Yeah. <laughs> then we never really got yeah. that. Um, yeah, it doesn't diminish anything for me. I think I I was just in such a good mood going into this movie, and by the end of it, I was in such a You're bad welcome. mood. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> that i wanted that like hero moment you know yeah yeah i know but then that's an easy out isn't it that puts a bandage on it and say oh yeah the good guys won yeah Uh, we scored a big hit for our team no we haven't we still haven't look 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 where we are yeah and then they they do make you think that this is like a a little bit maybe based on a true story sure with that i'm sure it's based on several true stories yeah i mean an amalgamation of everything that happened but. yes well i'm gonna have uh, director chris peck over on the show and i will ask him that particular question that's um, awesome fantastic who by the way who by the way director chris peck over one of ours fun oh nice Great. family playing on the pink team playing okay on the pink. girl also directed that uh that better watch out movie for shutter ah, yeah so yeah so he <laughs> big mood swing <laughs> Yeah, there. I was not. We had just like gone out to dinner. We saw old friends, and then I was like, "We got to come back and yeah. watch the movie." Let's yeah. I put I put this put off watching this till the last minute. So I'm like, I'm so excited to talk to Chris, and then just like, you know, it's gonna bring up a lot of ick and a lot of real life ick and a lot of real, real, real life ick. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, here's the thing: the movie itself, I think even if you strip it of whatever historical concepts, I think it's a fantastic little movie. It's mm-hmm. tense. It's tight. It moves really quickly. There's no lag. It gives you just enough of uh, uh, characters to hold on to without getting bogged down in subplots. Yeah, totally. Of, uh, you know, who's dating who and I really love her and, you know, whatever. Oops. It was there, but it wasn't, uh, it wasn't the main exactly. thing in the movie. Right. Right. And yeah, and, I mean, there was some stuff at the beginning, but it never started bogging stuff down at the end. I had to go back for her. She's my girlfriend. No, she's my girlfriend. Oh, shut yeah. up. Both die. <laughs> I, I, 
the on only, your girlfriend. The only character I was just not on board with was the 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 girl. I I I she is so she's like the one that's like, oh, I'll call Brad. He'll come pick us up. Right. And like, I think she's even the one that yells out, "We're American." And it's she just does. like yeah. it's. Which is what you, which is actually the right thing to do. She actually had a point. I'll have to find the video uh, audio from it. She did have a point where I said, ah, and here's the women's issue of today happening right here. I can't remember what it was. She was yelling back at them about something. Mm-hmm. Good story, Patrick. I'll find the audio and fix it later and it will be brilliant. <laughs> no, I kind of appreciated that she wasn't your heroine. She wasn't sweet. She wasn't, didn't have nice redeeming qualities. She was there for business. She was, she was the producer. Of course, she had the money. She had the rich boyfriend, mm-hmm. whatever. But she fought her way, and who was left standing at the end? Yeah, I mean, fair enough. True, I mean, fair I mean, enough. I don't think being likable would have gotten you very far. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, and she's definitely fair. not your typical virgin, like sweet girl that you're rooting for until the end. And maybe, maybe that's no, why I didn't no. like her. I think if she was that, she would have been carted off a lot earlier and put to work. Yeah, true. In this scenario, like this one's got some teeth. We're gonna. We're gonna play her game a bit. She's, 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 yeah. We're gonna see how Whatever. far we can push her. Right, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Take her to our sombrero fiesta. <laughs> the sombrero fiesta with some oh, God. That, that was, was so like, strange. Oh, God, screaming, 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 screaming. It was awful. It was awful, but yet so festive. Yet awful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, and it, I know it, we're all we're, we're being very vague with everything, but the movie I think works very well uh, in in this sort of a thing and. At the time, when I reviewed it almost 10 years ago now, it was not available anywhere. I just stumbled across it. I had a free uh, pay-per-view rental. Oh, okay. And I got it there, and it wasn't on DVD, and it wasn't streaming anywhere. And Hmm. at least now it's available. It was on streaming up until 10 minutes before we needed to watch it. Of course. That's what happens with every single film we choose. Fucking Amazon Prime. There has been shit that's just sitting there. (laughs) For like 15 years that I would never watch ever, and there's nothing you watch, just goes ping ping and it's gone. It drives us nuts. It's it's our personal curse. Every time we, I mean, we have movies slated out for months ahead of time, and we'll be like, it's on streaming, it's on streaming. It'll be fine. And then that month, it'll be like, sorry. (laughs) You're like, fuck, another four bucks. You know what I mean? And it's, you know, thankfully it's not that big of a deal ever, but like it's just, you know, it it sort of nickels and dimes you at the end. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. But what I was going to say is that the movie itself is, you know, thrilling and entertaining and well shot and and a great horror movie. But the thing that bothers me about what's going on today with the children in custody and these children detention centers and all this immigration stuff going on now is that we just don't hear anything about what's happening inside. Yeah, it is not a far stretch of the imagination to see it. Think about some things like this happening. Sure in there and i mean there, there there are already stories about uh children being kept in in uh in uh, in basically cages yeah uh, but there are stories i mean and people know that but there are plenty of stories about sexual abuse mm-hmm. uh about about physical abuse and certainly about mental abuse yeah um, and, you so know, there's really- you know it may not be happening at the level of this film mm-hmm. uh, yeah. but there's certainly terrible things happening not just to children but to women and men as well yeah. Yeah. Because the things I've heard is like the concrete floors, you know, people, children shoved like 30, 40 to a room with no bed, no right. heat, nothing medicated mm-hmm. 24 hours a day against their will to keep them sedated, sure. contaminated food, contaminated water, diapers being changed maybe once a day, maybe. Jeez. 
Well, and you know they're not documenting these people so that they can accurately return them back to their parents. Exactly. No, Just, nobody knows where they where they came from. That's the whole thing. So we don't have whatever. We don't have to take good care of them because they're not really people because they don't exist on paper. Mm-hmm. Terrifying. Terrifying. And then when you see that their solution to the problem is to put 18-month-olds on the stand to defend themselves, it's absurd. How is that a solution? Yeah, it's it's a it's a really harrowing problem. I've, I God, I think I've used the word harrowing like eight times today. Um, but it's true. <laughs> um, it's it's such a uniquely American problem as well right now with the way that it's happening here. I mean, the entire world is under a refugee crisis right now. But yeah, um, in, in America, it's interesting because much of the refugee crisis that we're seeing, especially with with uh, with immigrants coming from well, with refugees coming from Central America. You know, I think a lot of Americans um, are either just not savvy to or they are selectively forgetful of, you know, the 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 80s and Reagan's policies uh, and policies before him that supported really terrible people in Central America that has caused such oh, great yeah. poverty in places like Honduras and places like Guatemala and Ecuador. And and we know when these places, uh, El Salvador, pardon me, not not Ecuador. And when people from these countries um, who have suffered for so long and who suffer under intense gang violence and who see their children being killed and have no jobs and have literally no hope, when they look at the only other country in the world that they can think of where they could possibly make it and they make an incredible journey to get here, um, the, the people who, for whom we, we caused the sorrow in the first place way back when, we, we turn them away or we, we kick them out if they get in. And that's just, it's so un-American, it's, uh, it leaves you baffled if you have a heart and if you have a conscience. Um, and if you don't have those things, then perhaps it leaves you cheering. And uh, hopefully that's not many of you out there. And if it is, maybe we've changed some minds today. I don't know. Hopefully. I don't know. It's, it's right there on the base of the statue. Maybe you're poor, you're tired, your huddle masses yearning to be free. For Christ's sake, it doesn't have any codicils under that mm-hmm. and granted Absolutely. that's not law but there's no asterisk on the statue of liberty no no and it's not like the, it's not like these the these families that have been split up are breaking the law they were legally seeking asylum through the proper right. channels well and, and the, the the other thing about it too is that it's not a problem that just began with with the trump administration I mean, if we yeah. um, I, I don't, don't get me wrong, people who don't know me on here, I am no fan of our, our disgusting president right now. But if we go back just one administration prior to the Obama administration, the Obama administration deported more immigrants than any other president ever. And so, you know, there are there are things to be reckoned with on both sides of the issue. Um, and the, 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 the country is so uh, mired in theatrics across across the board. Uh, you know, we're, we're so worried about Russia and we're not worried about, like, like you said earlier, Patrick, we're not worried about this crisis about which we really do hear very little when you think about it. You know, it's, it's sort of like climate change. We hear about it now and then um, and we hear about it as sort of like a very distant thing. Uh, but, you know, we don't right. hear every day about the really incredibly terrible things that are happening in the Arctic and in the Antarctic that are terrifying. It's like right. it's being distanced from us in a lot of ways. And I think it's the same thing with these detention centers and with people sleeping under bridges. It just all gets kept under wraps, and it's it's really scary. Once upon a time, I would have been – let me – how to phrase this. Once upon a time, if I was looking back at the citizens of Germany of the 1930s and 40s, 
I would say, how could you not know mm-hmm. what was going on in those camps? Sure, you all say that you knew that they existed, but you didn't know what was going on. But now I said, now I get it. Just nobody tells you. Mm-hmm. There's well, no way to find out. And when we live in a world or a, a nation, I guess I should say, where the news is going to uh, propagate uh, new content that's going to scare you every single day, it's really lo- yeah. It's really easy to get lost. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And not and forget that these things are even happening. I mean, and, and you know, speaking of World War II, it just you know it harkens back. I mean, there there are plenty of news stories of literally ships full of Jews that mm-hmm. were turned away in New York. You know, it's it. This has always been an American problem, and no matter who the president is, we've never really had the heart that we pretend that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, my my family that came here, they were all immigrants. They they came here from either Croatia or from from England. Um, and, uh, I'm sure that my, my Croatian family had a very, uh, rough go of it. I know that my, my English family did for sure. They came and they, they lived in absolute poverty for the most part. And, you know, the, the very idea that there's some proper way to come here, that there's some, I don't know, whatever, no one ever came here properly for God's sake. Um, and the way that we, the way that we treat natives on, on their own land is just, uh, it's just a, a further indication of, of what America has always believed. And that is that we can take whatever we want. We can do whatever we want. Um, but it's our club and mm. you're not getting in unless we tell you yes. Well, this has been the depressing cast. <laughs> Who wants some Nobody, ice cream? Absolutely. The fact that I'm one degree of separation from the mechanics that put this whole child detention center thing into motion and made it legal and keeps it open makes me vomit Mm -hmm. sure and the fact that i have absolutely no control over it or say over it or anything and i think you know in generations to come this particular topic is going to be the one we're judged on babies in cages is pretty fucking bad yeah that's awful you can't get more innocent than that and the fact that we've gone this far is just awful who's up for a musical number you guys (laughs) Uh, Maddie, five, six, seven, LOL. eight, good, good Joseph, you know what they say. Yeah, it's a depressing time, but uh, anyway. Um, but we but, we do appreciate that you brought us both a movie that we honestly had never heard of. Yeah, for real. So that was... Uh, I think now more than ever, it's an important movie. Uh, absolutely. It's two Patrick, zero Friday. so... <laughs> I am waiting. My door's always open. <laughs> no one ever asks me to be on their show. I ask everybody to be on your show. That's totally fine. I understand. Okay, Grandpa, bye. See you next year. Bye. Okay, bye, Grandpa, bye. <laughs> Ridiculous. All right. So before we go out, boys, remind people where they can find you. Yeah, so you can find uh, Friday the 13th Horror Podcast on all your social media platforms, uh, at on Twitter at Friday 13, on Instagram at Friday 13, and just search for us on Facebook. Fabulous. And next time, boys, I promise, something light. <laughs> Perfect. Yes. Something like something. It's not like well, I mean, that could be anything. That could be anything. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, something light, fluffy, and fun because y'all deserve a vacation. We right? do. Yeah. We talk about a lot of depressing. I mean, we love it. Don't get me wrong. Um, it really gets us going. But yeah, a little a little vacation wouldn't be the a worst. A little thing. lighter. To another episode of Misery Queens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a good name. <laughs> that's misery and queens both with z okay thank you boys it's been a pleasure having you on and we'll see you real soon thank you Patrick. thank you
And so, my beautiful, beautiful screamers, after dropping this gigantic, seemingly insurmountable problem into your lap, I've got a question for you. What are you going to do about it? What steps are you going to take to make sure that you're on the right side of history? Well, fortunately, when Zombie Girl TJ visited me a few years ago, she introduced me to a friend of hers, Mr. Patrick Plain. Mr. Patrick Plain works for the American Civil Liberties Union. So when I started putting this episode together, I figured this is the guy to talk to. Now, I have focused specifically on the children that are being detained illegally. And as many of you know, I have my reasons for that. I'm probably guilt for how close I am to the people who created this particular monstrosity. Did I have anything to do with it? No, but it's too close. It's too close. And they're children. They're innocent. Even if you came here illegally, they're kids. They had no say in the matter. Why are they being punished? Why are they being tortured? Why are they being held months and months and months and months, some of them years now, when it is illegal to detain a minor longer than 72 hours? Well, Patrick Plain said the best thing we can do is to stay informed because the media, the way it is right now, is a circus. Because, surprise, the government right now is a circus. And since the beginning of this administration, and even, you know, even before, like in the debates and stuff, it's always been a game of sleight of hand. You always have to watch what that other hand is doing because there'll be a whole lot of clowning in front of the cameras and on Twitter that gets all the noise and all the attention. Meanwhile, horrible things are happening that are getting forced down to like page five, page six, page seven, and you never hear about them. They don't show up on your feeds because they're not the top story. And so much nonsense goes on. We don't remember what happened two weeks ago because every day is a new freaking nightmare of a new kind or another. So he suggested following sites like the New York Times or the ACLU. Subscribe to their feed on Facebook, on Twitter. Just get your updates from them. You'll find out what's going on what's really going on. And the other thing he suggested is sign a petition to stop the illegal detainment of children, the torture of children in these detention centers, and the sexual abuse of them as well. I want to take a minute and just read to you some of what's on this petition, uh, specifically regarding Tens and thousands of pages of evidence that the ACLU has collected documenting these violations that the U.S. Customs and Border Patrol have inflicted upon these children. 
these abuses, they're not just cruel and inhumane, but they're also violating United States law and international human rights law and are therefore inexcusable. And one of the... They just make me sick. Okay, all right. For instance, there are documents from the Customs and Border Patrol agents themselves revealing threatening children with rape and death, depriving the children of food, water, holding them in freezing cells in unsanitary conditions, shooting children with tasers and stun guns, punching children in the head repeatedly, running over children with patrol vehicles, and sexually abusing young girls during quote-unquote searches. And the, the list just goes on and on and on. And so, I mean, they're not even getting the adequate food and water and proper medical care that they are entitled to legally. But these kids aren't even getting any dignity and respect. And they deserve some special attention, right? Because they're kids. And that is why I feel like we need to do everything that we can to stop this. Like signing this petition. If that's all we can do for now, then God damn it, let's do it. And that petition, the URL is right there in the show notes. It's right there at the top. If you're listening to this on your player right now, it's right there at the top. You don't have to scroll. It's right there. And it's really easy to remember because I made a I made a short link of it. The URL is bit.ly slash ACLU SQ twenty nineteen. That's bit.ly slash ACLU SQ for Scream Queens twenty nineteen. Add your name to the list, because that's about all we can do right now. It takes no time. It takes no money. But of course, if you want to do something more active, you could set up a recurring donation to the ACLU. They're going to keep these people tied up in courts for as long as they can. They're going to keep fighting. Not just this cause, but injustices of all kinds being committed all over the country right now. They're on top of these things, and they get stuff done. So it's your choice. Right now, do something or do nothing. I hope you choose wisely. In the spate of time since I recorded this segment with Maddie and Andrew, about a week afterwards, Maddie sent me a news article about how 300 immigrants were arrested by militia. Not the military. Militia, i.e. these patriot-type groups, and held for an indeterminate amount of time before they were turned over to the authorities. Detained for an indeterminate amount of time. What happened during that time? We don't know. In the article that Patrick Plain shared with me, one of them, it mentioned that the Trump administration has stated that it's going to take 
possibly two years to reunite these children who have been separated from their families with their parents again. Two years. And this morning, it was published that the Trump administration, okay, I'm reading it right now, the Trump administration official says they don't have enough data to reunite most of the migrant families separated at the border with their children. That comes from the House Judiciary Committee. 47,000 kids who might never see their families again for no fucking reason. The one thing that keeps haunting me from this movie is that line. Whatever you think this is, it's far worse. Whatever you think this is, it's far worse. Because unfortunately, that's the way things have been going under this administration for far too long. Whatever you think is going on, it's far, far worse. And for me, the worst thing of all is inaction. Do something, anything. Okay, so that's going to wrap up this episode. Thank you very much for joining me for this very special episode of Scream Queens. I want to thank Maddie and Andrew from Friday the 13th. Not only for guesting on the show, not only for giving a fantastic session, but also for getting me to come out of my comfort range, my comfort zone. I was very uncomfortable putting out a show that wasn't funny. But this has to be done. I needed to do it. Because like I said, I'm carrying a lot of guilt on this one. And it's not even mine. And one more time before we go, that URL to sign that petition to stop the torture and abuse of illegally detained children at the border. Bitly slash ACLU SQ 2019. All lowercase. Bit.ly slash ACLU SQ for Scream Queens 2019. And if you want to Donate to the ACLU. You can find them at aclu.org. Fortunately, next episode is my birthday episode, so things are going to be a heck of a lot lighter. Allison Wacky is going to be here with her husband, Brian Polk, and we're going to be talking about evils of the night, which means three things. Boobs, booze, and banter. So until next time, my beautiful, beautiful screamers, Continue to make the world a more fabulous place and never ever forget the Scream Queen's golden rule. Fight or flight, survive the night, make it to the final real baby. Yeah. The music for tonight's show, unless otherwise specified, has been written by Sam Haynes. You can find all of his music at www.bandcamp.com. Bitches! <laughs>
whatever you think this is.